Yeah. We should make our, our show I think that's based why I on seeing us. <laughs> as you can see. As you can see is a metaphor. In your oh, eyeline. Yeah, as you can so see. Excuse me? Do you want me to do that again? Or do you, or no, it's it it gold. Alright. <laughs> Welcome back to the Maroon Weekly. It's 8th week. Uh, 26th episode of the podcast. I'm Charlie. I'm Quinn. I'm Jack. I'm Austin. I'm Poopo. I'm Julia. And I'm Miles. And we got a bunch of great stories for you today. First up, Quinn. The first story that we have today is about mayoral candidate Amara Enya, who hosted a voter registration drive on campus last Tuesday. Was this the one where Chance was supposed to show up? It was rumored that Chance was going to show up to this event. Um, But a spokesperson from Enya's campaign, just a couple hours before the registration drive, said that Chance's attendance was not confirmed, and it turned out that he did not make it to the event, to many people's disappointment. Um, but Enya was here on campus, and as maybe a consolation, she promised to give 25 U Chicago students free entry to Chance's fundraiser event later that night. All right, moving on, we're going to talk about GRE requirements for the Biological Sciences Division. Uh, Pupo, you got that story, right? Yeah, so... For those of you interested in the Biological Sciences Division, they recently dropped their GRE requirement, or the Graduate Records Examinations requirement. Yeah, what was their motivation for getting rid of the requirement? So the main grievances cited against the GRE were that it was a poor predictor of success in terms of how many papers were published and how many years were taken to complete the PhD and was an extremely poor predictor of grades, whereas undergraduate GPA was a much better predictor predictor of future grades. Also, it has shown to be heavily biased against minorities, women, and individuals from lower socioeconomic classes. And who was pushing for this, uh, for getting rid of the GRE requirement? Was it students, faculty, administrators? So it was an organization of students called the Graduate Recruitment Initiative Team, otherwise known as GRIT, which has a main goal of advocating for diversity and inclusion. This is probably interesting, taken in context of the college also dropping their requirement for sending in test scores. Um, And they cited similar concerns that they thought it wasn't a great indicator and hurt minority and low-income students. But unlike the college, the college was one of the first, like, top universities to do that, whereas the grad student program dropping the GRE is kind of following suit of other schools. Miles, next up, you're going to talk about a GSU walkout. Is that right? That's correct. So this Wednesday, there was a town hall-style meeting of the Committee on Graduate Education, which is a administration initiative to uh, alleviate some of the concerns of graduate students. So at that meeting, many members of Graduate Students United, the uh, unionization movement for graduate students on campus, uh, showed up. And after briefly participating in the meeting, those Graduate Students United members uh, ended up walking out which resulted in fewer than five people being left in the meeting, which actually meant that the board of uh, Committee on Graduate Student Education actually outnumbered the number of people who were then in the attendance. When asked why GSU members walked out, Emily Smith, a spokesperson for the union, said, quote, ultimately, when we felt like we weren't getting anywhere, we felt like we should go spend our time on our other work. This comes hot on the heels of another graduate student walkout a few weeks ago where members of Graduate Students United walked out of their classes and labs to protest the university's unwillingness to bargain with the union. The next thing we're going to cover is a slew of new revelations that came from Dean Boyer this week. Uh, Jack and Julia, you guys have this one. Yeah, so the dean discussed plans to increase the student population as well as other future changes to the university in a recent conversation with the Maroon Key Society. 
Yeah, this past year we had our largest incoming class at 1,800 students approximately, but Dean Boyer is saying he hopes to shoot for 1,700 students per class to increase our overall population to 7,000 students. And this ties into the fact that UChicago is increasing in terms of our yield in recent years. What was his reasoning for wanting to increase class size to an average of 1,700 per class? Well, he compared the university to Harvard, noting that at the present time we have about 6,600 students, whereas Harvard has about 6,700 students. Uh, and so the university has been making changes to match UChicago's size to other top Ivy League universities as well as some of the schools in California. Always want to be like Harvard. Weren't there other things kind of like Harvard that Boyer expressed interest in, like changing our schedule? He has said that he has been a big proponent of changing from the quarter to the semester system. He noted that he's been advocating a change to the semester system since the early 90s. However, there's always a big backlash to that because the quarter system has been around forever and it's kind of become a part of the school's identity. Uh, he did note, though, that his reasoning for changing to the semester system was due to the fact that many view the quarter system as a large burden to many of the students, and a semester system could promote a healthier educational environment. In addition, didn't he also talk about the core? Yeah, he said that he doesn't see the core changing. They looked at it about 20 years ago, and it was a whole three-year process of going through and deciding what they could change and what they should change, but he said he doesn't see that changing really in the future. At the event, he also gave reasoning for why they took out part-time status for students, correct? Uh, yeah, he did. So he mentioned that they learned uh, through researching some of the data that part-time status affects financial aid, uh, and it's also something that international students have trouble with as they can't go part-time, um, and that's not where they saw the university um, that's not where they wanted the university to be. I think it's nice to see Dean Boyer being so open about his plans for the college. You don't see that from a lot of other administrators. However, I'm curious what you guys think about his obsession with relating the college's size and operations to that of its peers. Um, personally, it feels like there might be merits to these decisions, but that these arguments presented, like, just because our peer does it, we should do it, is kind of lackluster. And, like, I think hurts the identity of the college. Yeah, I mean, I would agree to an extent. I think he's a little afraid to let the college grow into its own unique institution um, instead of just kind of like seems to be copying off of uh, our peers. I think that a lot of uh, colleges and universities are focused on rankings, and he mentioned that their concern isn't the status of the school among other schools. Uh, however, the school's been ranked the third best university by U.S. News uh, in the last three years. And so I do feel that uh, the school is at a level where it can create its own identity among other Ivy League schools and competitors. And I think it's important to note that I don't disagree that maybe these policies are beneficial. I just would like to hear the actual like reasoning for it, not just that others are doing it. Mm -hmm. So one bit of news that sort of came out in relation to Boyer's um, meeting with students uh, and in relation to the new class sizes, is that Stony Island is going to be closing after next year. Uh, Charlie, you've got that story. So after announcing changes to current residents on the Sunday night house meeting, uh, the Housing and Residence Life sent a follow-up email letting the residents of Stony Island know that their dorm will actually be closing after September 2020. This is an effort to consolidate satellite dorms into more central 
housing locations and will precede the new opening of the Woodlawn Residential and Dining Commons, which is a new development dorm with housing 1,200 beds uh, currently being constructed at East 61st Street, south of the Midway. What did the resident deans of Stoney have to say about this? So the residents of Stoney mentioned that they were really proud of what the dorm has become in recent years and that they will give students the option to consolidate as a group to Woodlawn Residential Commons or enter the housing lottery on their own. So along with Stoney Island, V53, where a lot of students have been, housing, been housed off campus um, in apartments rented by the school, will now also be closed. And many of them will be moved to Woodlawn Residential Commons as well. So finally, Austin, you're going to tell us a little bit about the Chicago Quantum Summit. Yeah, so last year the university launched a Center for Quantum Science Research, um, and that was to bring together the Center or the Institute of Molecular Engineering at the university in conjunction with Fermilab and Argonne. And later in the year, University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign also joined in. Um, and it was to create kind of a center for quantum research here in the state. This year, the center had their first summit. They brought together heads from IBM Research, uh, Microsoft Research, PhD candidates, um, as well as a congressman and representative of the Illinois 11th District, as well as professors from UChicago and scientists at Argonne. The executive director of the Chicago Quantum Exchange said that the purpose of the summit was to bring the leaders of academia, government, and industry in the field together to share their vision and where they're going in their work. This is interesting because it's taken in the context of the university's continued investment in not only the computer science department, but in areas such as molecular engineering. Um, and it's also interesting to note just that the emphasis that this field is having among other colleges, MIT, within the past month, announced a $1 billion investment on a new college of computing to make it easier for them to pioneer in fields such as quantum engineering. Time for this week's Sports Corner. First off, Men's and women's basketball hosted the Midway Classic Tournament this year, with men's beating both Ohio Wesleyan and Claremont Mud Scripps, while women beat both their MIT counterparts and Heidelberg. Both of our cross-country teams were in the finals this year. Men's placed 12th out of 32 teams at the finals tournament, while women's placed 11th out of 32 teams at the finals meet. UChicago men's soccer has been on a tear this past week in their playoffs run, so they beat Carleton 2-1 to to progress out of the second round of playoffs. And they beat Trinity, Texas 2-0 during the third round. Sunday the 18th, they played Luther. And they won 1-0 in overtime to move on to the Final Four. This is the second year in a row where the men's soccer team will be in the Final Four. So look forward to cheering them on and hope they move on to the Finals. Let's go Maroons! usually hear about UChicago sports, but there was an interesting moment this weekend when the University of Iowa defeated the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign 63-0, and it turns out that that was their largest loss since 1906 when the University of Chicago also defeated the University of Illinois 63-0, and in an increasingly more absurd turn of events, both of those losses also occurred on November 17th. Wow. Go Maroons! <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard, but we're also undefeated against Notre Dame football. Oh, yeah, yeah it's like the first thing we're you the hear big, on the we're tour. We're the only big team, or the Big Ten team. So and the first Hyphen winner. 
This is all like yeah, when you're standing yeah, in Ratner on the tour. I know, yeah. Yeah, All right, that's all that we got for the Maroon Weekly for eighth week. I'm Quinn. I'm Jack. I'm Austin. I'm Gupo. I'm Julia. I'm Miles. I'm Charlie. Thank you, as always, to Ben Kent and the entire Logan Cage staff for our audio equipment. Music for the Weekly is produced by Kenny Talbot-LaVega, Aaron Senden, and Andrew Dietz. Catch you guys next week, Monday at 9 a.m.